0: Welcome, friends, to Merritt's Musings. This is a podcast for educators in the very broadest sense. I, Jason Merritt, am a public school teacher and a youth minister in my church and a parent. I've dedicated my life to helping people grow and learn. And I'm something of a writer and a poet, someone who loves language both for its artistry and for its power. In this podcast, I'm going to explore some of my informal thoughts on what it means to be human, especially in the context of being an educator, a minister, and a parent. Often, I will open my musings around a poem I love, because, well, quite honestly, I think any time I spend talking about poetry is time well spent. I invite you to join the conversation. Feel free to write me with your thoughts and your feedback. You can contact me uh, through our website, meritsmusings.buzzsprout.com, and through my Facebook page. And now, on to this week's episode. Today I'm going to read The Awakening by Theodore Recka. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I feel my fate and what I cannot fear. I learn by going where I have to go. We think by feeling, what is there to know? I hear my being dance from ear to ear. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. Of those so close beside me, which are you? God bless the ground. I shall walk softly there and learn by going where I have to go. Light takes the tree, but who can tell us how? The lowly worm climbs up a winding stair. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. Great nature has another thing to do to you and me. So take the lively air and lovely. Learn by going where to go. This shaking keeps me steady. I should know. What falls away is always and is near. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I learn by going where I have to go. I pick this poem this week, uh, like I pick every poem, because I love it. This poem is so rich and so deep, and I can spend hours on this, as any English teacher probably could. And and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just touch on two points out of this incredibly rich text. But I would just take a moment before I talk ideas to just appreciate the beauty of it. This is, for me, the perfect Villanelle, that form. And if you're not familiar with that form, check it out. They're all over the internet. They're gorgeous and rhythmic and lyrical and musical. They're wonderful. And that form is focused heavily on repetition, which we hear again and again and again. The lines, I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I learn by going where I have to go. Uh, We just repeat words and phrases again in a very circular manner, which is important because one of the lines of this poem, a key line, is the lowly worm climbs up a winding stair. This idea of cycle and spiral is built into the form. And there's also a lot of contrast, right? Wake to sleep, low to high, uh, away and near. It's full of internal oxymorons and juxtaposition. And all of that comes together for me. For me, this is a poem about gaining wisdom, uh, the ultimate goal in education, not just facts, but learning values and compassion, learning ethics, learning how to be the best human being you can be, wisdom, and then applying all of that into the world. And so that opening line, I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. And of course, waking is a traditional metaphor for enlightenment, for wisdom, uh, right? The Buddha, one of his many titles is the awakened one um Thoreau did a lot with wake versus sleep as well. So I wake to sleep. I am waking up. And in that process, two things are happening. In a negative way, I'm putting other parts of me to sleep. Part of gaining wisdom in life is reducing aspects of your life and personality that uh, are negative, uh, counterproductive, putting some things away, putting some things to sleep. Uh, there's also a line later in the poem that what falls away is always... Life is this process of losing, and we need to be mindful that sometimes those losses are valuable for us. Many of us carry a lot of baggage that leaving it behind might might benefit us. Although I would note, what falls away is near, according to the poem. Even though we leave it behind, we never really leave it, right? Nothing is ever truly lost, but perhaps the burden of it might slow down. Uh, so I wake to sleep. I gain wisdom to be able to put other things to sleep, but also sleeping is rest uh, and dreaming. And so I wake, I gain, and I grow, but I also rest, a cycle, and I take my waking slow. It's a slow cycle. That combined with the line, the shaking keeps me steady and the worm climbing, all of which sort of hammer on this point that we grow in a faltering progress it's not steady right we we advance we fall back it's a spiral sometimes it looks like we're in the same place where we were but we're not in the same place where we were because we're different people then right who i am now is different than who i was 10 years ago and so for me the waking is very much a hopeful poem about how in my fumbling in my shaking I'm still making progress. I'm still gaining. I'm still growing, as are we all. Uh, and so I, I find this poem reassuring, right, that I'm still growing, that we're still growing. Now, in terms of classroom and pedagogy, uh, this poem reminds me of two very critical pieces for me that I need reminders all the time. The first one, I'm not good at it at all. And that is a reminder that patience matters more than pacing, right? In this poem, each of us thinks by feeling. We uh, take our waking slow. We walk softly there. Each person grows at their own pace. And that's incredibly important for us to remember. We teachers cannot force anyone to learn, right? Learning and growth and development, especially wisdom, more than learning a particular skill about a comma or the periodic table, but gaining some sense of justice and compassion, some way of balancing conflicting priorities. All of that is a slow, painful, and idiosyncratic process. And we teachers need to be patient with our students as they work through that. The act of growing up is incredibly difficult. And we're there to support it. Sometimes by being encouraging, sometimes by being demanding, but that's our job. That's our calling to help them in that way. So patience matters more than pacing. And that's very, very difficult as a teacher because we have a curriculum map and all of these designs on us that say you must accomplish these things by this date or else. And that's all very true, but it's less important. So yes, I try to do my very best with my curriculum map. But what I really need to remember is that I'm there not to serve the curriculum, but to meet the needs of that student. And each student is going to grow and develop their own pace. One of my mentor teachers, wonderful lady from Georgia with this tremendous uh, southern accent that, uh, and was so impatient with me as I kept asking her to repeat herself. Uh, one of the things that she said as we were working together uh, with ninth and tenth graders, she would frequently remind me that they're not ripe yet. Of course, she said it with a cool Georgian accent that I can't pull off. Uh, But that runs through my head a lot. They're not ripe yet. They're ripening, and I can provide the conditions for that, but every piece of fruit ripens at its own pace, right? There are patterns. I can see the patterns. I can help with the patterns. I don't have the power to control it. So that's the first major lesson that I get out of this poem in terms of my classroom practice. And the one that I need to hear constantly because I'm not patient in the slightest and I, and I need to learn how to do that. The other is I learn by going where I have to go. And we think by feeling. And this one, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about what makes a really great classroom. And I think what makes a great classroom for me and for my students is when I focus less on lessons and more on experiences. I want to give my students an experience in the classroom that they can learn from and that they can remember. I want it to be an event, and that can not happen all the time, but it's surprising how easily it is to put experiences into The curriculum. I'm teaching imagery, so I walk them outside to a tree, and we write about a tree or a garbage can or a tree and then a garbage can, right? Uh, We for imagery. I brought in uh, cheese and crackers, and they had to describe the cheese and the cracker to an alien who had never encountered cheese and crackers. Uh, Those sorts of moments, those sorts of lessons, that are uh, fully engaging their whole body, fully engaging their life are much more authentic to them, even though of course it's contrived that I'm handing them cheese and crackers. But also it's something they'll remember and they will think about and ponder about. How often does a lecture fade away and then we hope something remains, but it seems like a PowerPoint lecture is designed to disappear with the hope that it leaves a little bit of ore behind and they forget all the dross. But an experience, the first time you saw Star Wars, that's something that would stick in your head. Now, of course, that's a high bar, and I'm not as good at it as I'd like to be. But I keep thinking I learn by going. It is the doing of something. Of course, I'm a skill teacher, not a content teacher. In the end, I'm less concerned that they remember something uh, that, you know, I don't care if they actually know the particular claims in a text I care that they can identify the claims in a text and then evaluate the logic therein and apply it to another text. So I'm a skill based class, and so perhaps I have a greater luxury than my content focused classes. But if you're doing a skill based class, I encourage you to think about experiences. What can you do that might startle them into awareness? If you know your Zen Buddhism, think Satori. What can you do that will transform? shock their mind into a new way of thinking. So in the tensions and opposition of those two poles, of being patient with them and yet providing with experiences to jar them awake, I wish you the very best. May you continue to make progress on your journey.